411 Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. 411 Live. Welcome to another edition of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. We are embarking on a multi-part project. We are delving into the world of sex trafficking. We are dissecting the issues and talking about it on dozens of podcasts. And there is also a docudrama in the works, profiling a survivor. We have workshops planned. We've already had one. We have other projects also, all encompassed in this big project, this big umbrella. And we thank you for joining us for this podcast. This one is called, Am I Dating or Am I Being Groomed? This is actually part two. Nancy Yarbrough, she is the founder of Fresh Start Learning. She joins us once again. If you did not see part one, you need to do that. You might want to stop Go to that one and then come back to this one, because we talked about a lot of things, her journey in the sex trafficking world. And there are lots and lots of questions still to be answered. And we also want to go and follow her journey into the present. So, Nancy, thank you again for joining us. One thing that I want to talk about, because we talked about being a victim of sex trafficking, how you got involved in it, the whole uh, boyfriend thing. He was the boyfriend, and then until he slapped you up, and then you knew this is a business. Um, And that whole grooming process that you went through. We talked about the hotel, the truck stop, and all of that. One of the things that I, I want to ask, because afterwards I was noticing you, These things, talking about these things, this can affect a survivor who has been out of the scene for many, many years. But talking these things, talking about these things is almost, I don't know if, if reliving it is a good word, but what how are you feeling right now? I know. I mean, it's it's triggering. You know, it um two things happen for me, I can say. One is that I become very grateful, you know, uh, of the journey, saying that, you know, most times people are lost out there and never get a chance to make it to the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it kind of baffles me because I was like, wow, you know what? I've really been through a lot. That was a pretty scary time for me, even though I didn't think of it being scary then. There was no fear then. But just looking back over it, it's like, God, you must really love me because you kept me through a lot, you know, a lot. You start smelling and seeing and visualizing. That's not a fun place to be. So I I definitely caution people. If you have young ladies or young men that have been victimized, that you just don't open them up without closing them up. Give them an opportunity to... De-escalate. Mm-hmm. Um, ask them, are they okay? And what can you do if they don't have somebody they can go back and talk to or they're not a praying person or those kind of things? I, I would say don't don't re-victimize a victim because sometimes it's hard to come back from there and then you find yourself back 
in the triggering point where you need some antidotes, you know, to right. help you to close that up. So be careful. You know, I saw this in action. Um, I guess it's been a month now that the, the 411 Live uh, sponsored a workshop. And it was for like first responders or um, hotel people so they could identify sex trafficking victims so they would know what to look for. They could get help, possibly get them some help, you know, whether it's call the police or whatever. And it was also a healing kind of thing, looking yeah. at the healing process from trauma, from being in, um, in that trade. But as the the experts were talking and they were, you know, kind of talking about the emotional things and and you shared your story, a portion of it. Um, and as the program was going on, I noticed you and you were, you went and you tapped somebody who was sitting in front of me and you got her to come out and you talked to her. And I saw you do it again to someone else. So you were noticing people people being triggered by what they were hearing, right? Yeah, it was myself and uh, LaShondra did notice one young lady, but then I noticed another one because I kind of knew her backdrop or her, you know, her journey. And when you are not even the person that's revealing, you know, what had happened to you, you can be sitting out there and you can hear something that reminds you so much of what you went through that it will cause um, agitation, you know, it will cause irritation. Sometimes it will cause unnecessary uh continue fiddling and looking mm -hmm. down and eyes tearing up. And you could see it if you're scanning the room and discernment is so very real. And yeah, I saw that. And I had to talk to a couple of ladies and make sure that they were still centered. Are you okay? You know, because it affect them in a, in a way that, you know, um, sometimes it's still very raw. Yeah. You know? It's, it's not just the years of healing It's how you healed, mm. you know, because you can have a broken bone and you don't have the placement and you don't heal it right. It's still crooked. It still hurts. But it, even in the healing process, you have to heal properly. Because if you don't, there's there's some things that still hurt, even though you're way away from right, it. Right. You didn't heal right. Right. So yeah. we have to be careful with that. Right. Um, I remember uh, we had a, a podcast with Debbie Lassiter, the mm -hmm. executive director of Convergence Resource Center. And she was talking about... you. It, being discerning, as you were mentioning, uh, like go, being out at dinner with somebody and a certain food comes and they say, you know, we'll try this. And the the survivor says, no, I don't want to try. I don't want to try that. No, no, no. Try it. You know, and just continuously trying to get them to eat it. And finally, they break down and they eat it. But something happens. Because that food reminded them of something within when they were being trafficked, and it's affecting them. And now all of a sudden they've closed off, but the other people at the table don't really recognize it. So she was saying, if someone says, I don't want it, then, then don't force them. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's something that simple as well. But, you know, it's, it's a, a whole lot of things that you said even in that that – 
you have to hear yourself on the other side. How forceful are you using your words? To, yeah. to, are you using the fact that your taste buds should be their taste buds? The word no is no regardless. And sometimes people don't realize that. And then the shut off part for the person and the walls go up, then everybody at the table think you're acting funny, but they don't realize that you just been triggered, right? The simple things do matter. Like our choices have been taken away from us so many times, whether it was a voluntary given away that you thought you right. were doing it, but then it's also that force. And sometimes people can be very pushy, even when they're trying to get you to be involved in talking about your journey, talking about what happened, talking about the other side, talking about why you went back. Sometimes we don't have the answer that that you may be looking for, but it's mm -hmm. our answer in our heart at the time. Right. And, and when you keep digging, people tend to shut off. You got to be careful with that because nobody really wants to relive anything like that. And the only reason why I do it is because God has given me the strength to be able to do it. And I think it's very necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, this is nothing that people want to expose to the world that you were, you know, seen as, you know, the lowest of low in your in your occupation. You know, and, and sometimes people don't forget it and, and they make you feel that way when you're in the room. So I would caution people to, again, don't ask people to do something, one, that you wouldn't do, you know, what are things that you're not talking about? Or right. two, make sure they're okay doing it. And how did you get that yes out of them? You know, mm -hmm. that that reluctant yes, if they said no the first time, leave it there. Don't keep asking. When we talk about trauma, that's such a big word. You know, it doesn't have a lot of letters, but it's a huge it word. Um, how does that manifest itself? Because um, I know you were talking, you know, there's smells and, and different things that are triggers, nightmares. Is it like PTSD, you know, and nightmares? You have these dreams and you wake up screaming. And uh, how does it manifest itself? I mean, again, anything that happens in trauma-based or trauma-based li lifestyles, it's not cookie-cutter again. It could be just driving past a place where you used to hang out at. You mm -hmm. can you have memories of that. It could be the way that somebody says something. Again, cologne smells, that kind of stuff. Mm. It could be familiar places, familiar people. You know, it, it could be the way that you looked at me and the, or, or the sound of your voice. It's just so many things that can trigger people and remind them of a place they were. But we also got to remember we can't leave out trauma bonding, which, which again, talks about that PTSD and that opportunity to stay with your captor. Okay. Why do people stay? Why, why is that trauma bond so important? Because you feel like you can't live without them. You know, you feel like that they were, they saved you in a time where nobody else was able to recognize that you needed help. And a lot of that comes from, you know, those two things, feeling loved and accepted. People don't talk about trauma bonding the way that they should because, again, we think we're in a relationship. Right. So there's trauma. There's trauma bonding. There's 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 living through somebody else's trauma, um, vicariously living through somebody else's trauma. There's all different kind of traumas that's inside of that world of exploitation, you know. And we don't have enough conversation about trauma bonding like we should because that will give you some of the answers that you're looking for when you say, why does she stay? Right. Why does she keep going back? It's family. It's familiar. I got used to it. It was something that I was seeking after. It was the first time I ever experienced real love that I thought was love. Why would I want to give that up? And don't love cover all things, you know? Yeah. And that manipulation is so real and that trauma bond that they'll tell you some things because you've exposed some of your weaker parts, you know, 
and they use those and and that keeps you glued together you know so when you try to tear it apart it's going to hurt try super glue and putting it in the wrong place right right, right. and you need to get it off tear it off it hurts but it'll heal mm-hmm. right yeah. so the things that you know, he is telling them they won't accept you. Yeah. So when you get out and that person looks at you kind of cross-eyed, you think he was right. Yeah, a hoe is always going to be a hoe. You can't make a whole housewife and all those kind of things that were said. Um, you know, nobody else is ever going to want you. You know, only a only a pimp can love a hoe, and only a only a trick a pay a pay a hoe. You know, that kind of I'm like real live situations that seem to be very real in that moment because you're living it. Mm-hmm. But then when you come out of it, and then you're getting your life back together, what's really real? Because after you get your education, after you get the the man, the house. The, the children are, are being raised properly. You get the car, you get your promotion, you get all the things that society says, and then you're still in those rooms that you're not accepted at. Then all of that just triggers back up. I can only say that for me because it was a lot of times, even after being out of the life, going back to school, doing everything that society said I should do, and still be in a room with people and feeling like I was underneath them because they knew something about me, you know, and they used it to their advantage. You know, mm. and it made you feel some kind of way. But I am grateful because God is greater. See, but most some people don't have that as an outlet right. for strength. But right. yeah, those things are real, very real. Right. And I'm sure that it helps being around the right people, being around people who understand, yeah. you know, people who get it. Yep. So we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about all these projects that you have going on to help people feel accepted and feel like they can move on. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought. When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed, so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time, when in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org. What do you think of when you hear intercourse for money? What do you think of when you hear exploitation of your body? What pops in your mind when you hear young boys and girls being sold for sex? Do you think of sex trafficking? You should. What movie do you see when you think of someone being kidnapped to become a product? Oh, come on now. We all know what we think of. It's that film and that father who had to go all the way overseas to rescue his daughter. But wait, that's not just happening overseas. Try here, the United States of America. Try here, the state of Wisconsin. Try here, the city of Milwaukee. Unknown to many, the Harvard School of Pimps in their holy training ground. Young girls and boys are being solicited at an average age of 13 years old. Didn't know that, did you? Research and learn the signs of sex trafficking because you just might not know when your child's newest lover is their soon-to-be pimp. For more information, visit the411live.org.
Welcome back to the 411 Live. Our guest is Nancy Yarbrough. She is the founder of Fresh Start Learning. We've been talking about a multitude of things with her, but I want to make sure that we have enough time to get in all these things that you are doing with Fresh Start Learning. Kind of, and I know, you know, we could talk about this for a week, but... (laughs) (laughs) Kind of give me an idea of what you guys do. You know what? We have a three-pronged approach. We have outreach, and then we have training, and then we have housing. So we do our feet on the street outreach ministry through our purpose-filled purse, reaching people where they are. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. Uh, so that people can understand that our ministry of presence is there. We're not forcing people to do anything, but we're giving them the toiletries that they could buy themselves. But it's our olive branch of love to let people know that we have other things that when they're ready to come on in. Our training options give opportunities for people that don't know about what human trafficking is, how to be involved. And then our also training is for ladies and young men and young girls that have been caught in the life. So Mm -hmm. we do crisis stabilization. We do next steps. And I am an approved trainer for the end in the game training, which is so utterly cool. So that those are the kind of things that we do. And that last part is humble beginnings. That's the last part of what we've been doing since October 2018. We've served 176 women. Oh, already? Uh, already from ages 18 to 64. And what that does is allow them to come in off the street Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to Monday morning. Not consecutively, but uh, overnight stay. Uh, and what we do with that is find them the right next steps while they're there. So our motto there is humble beginnings. You have to start somewhere. Why not here? When they come in, they take off the old. So and that means all the old clothing, anything that they have, cellular phones, their purses, and we provide them with brand new pajamas and fuzzy socks or novelty socks, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just extending that love from off the street to inward, mm-hmm. feeding them a hot meal, talking to them about what they think they need to do next and allowing them to be part of that healing process. So we are connected with alcohol and drug treatment centers. We're connected with places for exploited youth or exploited young adults. Uh, We're connected to places where they can get just transitional living and longer term stay because they've came out of the life that just needs second chance housing. So those kind of things, legal services, childcare, anything you can think of that you need that holistic approach, that's what we do for them while they're in humble beginnings, or they can come in off the street at Fresh Start and get those same kind of, you know, help or initiatives for help. Right. And you have a multitude of volunteers. Yeah, we have volunteers and community partners because we can't do it without them. So our hashtag has always been stronger together. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make sure people understand that we're not an island by ourselves and nor do we want to be. The spotlight should be on the people that we're helping and not on ourselves. And if our community could get that, and stop trying to invent things that has already been invented and fortify our strength and what we're doing, have points of contact, and the the load would be so much lighter than how much heavier it is now because people want to do their own thing for various reasons. But if we're not doing it for the person we want to see become the survivor thriver, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, um, back when I started doing the stories on sex trafficking, five, six, seven, eight years ago when I was with Fox 6 News, it sex trafficking started becoming the flavor of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, that catchphrase and everybody was, oh, yeah, well, I'm helping with sex trafficking. Well, I'm helping with sex trafficking, yeah. too. But really didn't have the knowledge or the skill to do 
what they were wanting to do. The heart was good, but they didn't really know how, whereas they ran the risk of really re-traumatizing some of these victims. Um, And one of the things was, you know, hooking on to a survivor and then getting that survivor to promote that organization by telling their story Whereas that survivor is telling that story, telling that story, and now we're in a in a trauma situation. Yes, yeah, program pimping. That's what I call it. Program it, program pimping. pimping. Okay. Yeah, because they take the vulnerabilities of the young lady or the young man or or that person and say, "Hey, you know, we could help you to identify your hurt," and and it. Ultimately, it is actually for their pocket. So, again, it's dry pimping, right? Uh, she's still not getting any of the money that's actually happening. They give you a Starbucks gift card or a thank you or a certificate, mm. but they're not healing your heart, right? You're going back home to deal with all that trauma you just dug up, and, and their programs are steady growing, and you really want to know what are you really doing besides putting these people on display, that's the same thing that our trafficker did to us, put us on display, right? We were the trophy. We were the we were the person that people wanted to be around to talk about your journey. And yeah. after a while, it does become a story because you can identify it any kind of way that you want to say it at the time, and you start losing the truth of what you're really saying because people program you to say what they want you to say. And that never would happen with me. I said, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I prayed then I say, but I watched a girl that kind of spiraled because of that. They kept giving her what to say. You can't tell me about my journey. I was there, right? They want you to talk about the gory things, but don't want you to talk about the triumphant part at the end. So if you leave me with that, I started to feel like that's what I still am. Wow. And it's not fair. So that program pimping is super, super real. And people have to really identify. And some people don't mean to do it, but some people I really think do because they love spotlights. They love the shine to be on them. And they act like they have, you know, it under control and under wraps and got these people at heart and really trying to help them. But when they need a bus pass, a place to stay or any of those things, you can't find those same people that just exploited you. So what should survivors look for? Well, they should look for being able to have an opportunity to say as much as they want, as less as they want. They don't need to be scripted in any kind of way. And they need to be able to propose a contract for them giving their journey. They need to have somebody to come alongside of them, uh, like kind of like Lotus Legal does, uh, to help them to get a contract together to talk about what are you going to pay for my hotel stay? Are you going to pay for this? Like, because you're utilizing something from me, I need to make sure that I'm paying my bills too. Is a fair exchange? Absolutely not. Cause you can't pay for my hurt, right? It's not a settlement offer, but it is at least allowing me to say for this, I can at least say that I did this for reasons for my family that I need to take care of at home too. I don't think people really think that through enough, you know, and, and it's not fair. So I want people that are listening today, that aspire to want to come into this squeaky wheel of human trafficking and jump on the bandwagon. Before you do that, think about humanity and human life and make sure you thought that program all the way through so that you don't end up re-victimizing a victim. Ask them for help because they're the ones that can actually help your program more than you can. You might have the education, but you don't have the experience. Have an education experience, then you have the whole role. Wow. 
That's that's good advice. That's yeah. important advice. As you you said, a hundred and how many? One hundred and seventy-six women we've served from eighteen to sixty-four years old at Humble Beginnings. That's fabulous. And, and it came out of all kind of backgrounds. Like lately, we've been getting the eighteen to twenty-five year olds, and a lot of them are going through the domestic part of coming mm-hmm. out of exploitation. Of course, they don't consider it being because, again, that's their man. And they're running from these relationships, you know. Uh, we've had the older ladies that are now hooked at, hooked on drugs and alcohol, and now their life was that little girl's life. That at eighteen, they were the flavor of the day. Now they've lost, you know, what they right. used to have. No more booty, no more beauty. So now you're discarded, and and you're the ten dollar on the street hoe, prostitute, right? And now they don't know what to do with themselves a lot of times because again, you didn't fill that void. The mm-hmm. people that say they were trying to help you didn't fill that void or try to assist you in doing that. Now they're coming into our place and they're feeling despair. And we're helping them to try to navigate where they need to go next, but with their input. So right. we have the whole nine yards that come through us, you know. What voids are you seeing uh, in programming and what these women need? A lot of it is realistic approaches like second chance housing. Like a lot of our ladies now, too, come in having a job. You know, but they had bad, you know, eviction notices or their guy was the drug dealer and end up getting that kind of um, information on their records because they were the one that put their name on the lease. And now people won't rent to them because they have that on there. Um, There's all kind of things that end up happening. And another thing that's really super huge is I don't have the education to get the job that I need to take care of a family of four that I just got my children back. Oh, wow. You know, just helping me to navigate getting the education, not a four-year degree, not a two-year degree, maybe something that specializes in in your heart. What do you really want to do? Maybe I want to be an uh, interior decorator, and you can go to do specialized training and get them connected to that specialized training and not just turn people away, but walk them through to they're able to walk alone, right, but still be there for them. The opportunity to have the programs be in longer term, like we would that we were able to do more of a a 90-day program versus a a drop-in location. But we had to start where God had us to start at. Now we have this thing called the 2020 vision, seeing things clearly. So I tell Chandra I was going to do my shameless plug there because we have a vision for 2020. It's seeing things clearly, the things that we were able to do, not to do so successfully because we have a survey. And ask the person that you're helping what helped, what didn't. Right. Because that way you're able to to see it their way, you know, mm-hmm. because they know a little bit about what's going to help them. And then you add all the things they didn't think about. And when those two marry, then you have somebody that's going to survive and thrive. Right. Right. So are there many second chance housing opportunities out there? I don't know, but we're going to create those. Uh, that is part of our 2020 initiative, uh, you know, to have those See, I'm making you, I'm making you throw it out there. You met 2020 <laughs> Second Chance Initiative Housing is going to be the full role completion. It's seven houses specialized for those that actually come into our drop-in location, but they had domestic issues. There'll be a house for that one. There'll be a house for aging out in foster care. There'll be a house specifically for women with children, those LGBTQI community. And then the last one would be those those men that need help as well. So it's a, it's you have to know that you can't put populations together and expect them to heal properly. You have to have specialized care. And that housing seems to be a huge issue because if I got myself together, but nobody won't rent to me, right. I'm put right back in the same 
way that I was with these slumlords and feel like I don't have a voice and what am I going to do? I'm smelling weed all the time. People are approaching mm. me on the street. I don't get a chance to see anything different. How long can I survive out there if I don't think that I can come above what I've been put back into? So it does make a difference. You know, here's a, a weird scenario. Um, I remember a few years back, I did a story uh, dealing with, with a place that would I think they would they would go around and they would find teenagers who are homeless on the street, and they they had a nice house, um, several bedrooms in it, and the the kid could come in and stay there for a while. Um, the program was not fairly successful, but they had an incident where a kid was taken off the street and brought in, and the kid recruited another one into sex trafficking. Yeah, it it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Yeah, it does, because you have to remember if you're court ordered into those facilities or you're placed in those facilities because you don't have anywhere else to go and your mindset hasn't changed. Remember we talked about the mindset? Mm -hmm. If that hasn't changed, I'm going to behave the same way that I behaved before because guess what? I'm still in that mindset. And if the other person feels as though those vulnerabilities are there, Mm -hmm. I don't want to live in this house anymore. I want to have somewhere to go. It sounds a lot better coming from your peers. So I know that there's a lot. Again, we could talk about peer-to-peer recruitment, familial recruitment. Mm -hmm. All that kind of stuff is there. And um, that's why we specialize in that training component. So we have a lot of different trainings that we offer that are specialized in those particular components. Once you come out of human trafficking one-on-one, learning the basics, Mm -hmm. then there's those trauma bonding, those grooming processes, what do we do when this person comes in off the street, not expecting your little girl to come back playing with Barbie dolls, but now she's wearing lipstick and pumps. What do you do with that? Crisis stabilization. All those programs are so necessary and so real because it's not the same. You don't get that same little girl back. And right. you might not want her back because she was, she was damaged before she left with the trauma that was unresolved. There's things that's happening inside the household. When the household is damaged, the child is damaged. Mm -hmm. When the household is broken, the child is broken. If the household is not complete, not fixed, and then you send that child back there, how long is that child going to last in that house? Right. You know, so those things. Those different training components that you just mentioned. Say if there is, say, a church group, and they say, you know, we want to have a ministry part where, you know, we can help, but we need to be trained. Do they come to you? And I have. Yeah. I've trained. I trained non-governmental agencies, governmental agencies. I worked with Department of Children and Family, Department of Public Instruction, uh, with church facilities, with at-risk youth facilities, um, in in Milwaukee County, outside of Milwaukee County, in Marion County, everywhere that they send me. And you send me, God, I'll go, kind of thing. Right. But we do specialize in a lot of things that happens inside of the ministries. Because why? I was that child. I was that child that sat on the pew. I was a child that knew the Lord. I was a child that knew how to pray. I had a loving dad, a loving mom. Maybe they were divorced, and I had two separate houses. That trauma I hadn't gotten over. But I, I had that seed that was planted, and I was sitting on that bench, and you didn't notice, right? right. Because I seemed okay, well-rounded. And a lot of times we miss that. We keep thinking that the church is a place where nobody can get hurt, but the church is a place for sin-sick souls. That's where we come to be healed. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of healing that needs to happen in the church. You can't dress up, mess up. Right. You can't <laughs> I like do that. that. Yeah. You come in and you all dressed up and you messed up in the inside because somebody told you that if you come to the house of the Lord, then all of a sudden you're healed. No, by his stripes, you're healed. 
that that's how that happens. Right. But it's a continual process. You can't just think that once you come through there, your children are not affected. What if you were that girl that when you were a girl, you were trafficked, but your children didn't know anything about that, but you're watching the warning signs of them and you're trying to save them out of trafficking. You can't save them out of anything. What they, what you have to do is have that real conversation. We have this thing called kitchen table conversations, bringing it to the table family style that we offer churches as well, because if you don't have the conversation, Guess what? The streets are going to have them. Right. And, and if they're going to hear from one or the other one. So if you silent and the street is speaking, they're going to hear the street. No matter what you think you're doing at home to protect them, they still have to go outside of your door. I have a feeling very few people are having this conversation with their kids. We need to have it. Yeah. Let's have the conversation. Let's not be afraid of it because somebody's going to teach them one way or the other. And it should be you. And even if they make wrong choices, Point them back into the right direction. So many times we get rid of our children or we chalk it up as teenage rebellion. Mm -hmm. We chalk it up as a phase. Um, chalk it up as they're hanging around the wrong crowd. But what about the thing that's really true in the heart of any child? Curiosity, right? Right. You're curious to see what your life is going to be like because you don't know. And then if you have those life interruptions, disruptions, and you have that trauma that's unresolved, and then you have family dynamics that's not a good, I mean, the nine, nine times out of 10, that child is going to start picking some things for themselves that they think is going to work. And a lot of times they don't work, but you can't tell your parent because now this parent is holier than thou, and they forgot that they came from a place, too, of hurt. Or maybe they never did. Nothing ever happened to them, but it's happening to your child. Right. If you don't know how to deal with it, get somebody else to help. You deal with your child. You can't cover it up because it's going to come out. If some uh, some family, some church, some group, if they're listening and they would like some training from you, yeah, how do they get in touch with you? What do they do? They can give us a call at 414-800-6269, 414-800-6269. They can go to our website at www.freshstartlearninginc.org. Um, we would love to be able to talk with them about customizing training because every training is not the same. What you see in your church facility, in your home, might be different from Sally in the suburbs than Susie in the inner city. But we have to customize it based on what you need, and that's what God has given us to do. Make it clear to what you need to do, doable steps, but be there with you along the way. We don't do it by ourselves again. We have a host of collaborative partners to help us, but we would love to be able to help you. That's wonderful. How can we help our community? Being real, having real conversations like we're having today. Um, talking about things that make you uncomfortable. Mm. How do you talk about things that make you uncomfortable, right? And having real solutions that work not regurgitated garbage that comes around some of the tables and they keep talking about those same, same things, things that, that, all don't, the time work. that mm-hmm. don't work. Try it. Try something different. Listen to our youth when they're speaking. They have something to say, you know, and making sure that you don't forget that you didn't wake up like this, <laughs> that you went through something too, you know, and you have to be transparent. Only thing that ever changes the lie is the truth. Only thing that... Or dispels darkness is the light. Be the light that our community need and stop being a lie that we don't need. Stop trying to sell Hollywood garbage. People's life depend on it. Right. And stay in your lane, right? <laughs> stay in it. God gave you a lane to stay in. And somebody's waiting for you in your lane, stay in that lane because they're waiting. I'm just a true believer in that. Whoever God has in my lane, I want to make sure that I meet along the way. I hear you. Tell me what 
and I think I can almost answer this for you. Yeah. Uh, what's given you the drive? <laughs> uh, accountability, Christ first, being accountable to the things that um, the choices that I made, living past my hurt and making it power and making sure that I stay true to the mission and vision and calling that God has placed on my life. That's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it worthwhile. That's why I can stand before anybody and be naked and unashamed today. That's why I'm a survivor, thriver, advocate. And and this is my call and mission and duty to serve. Is it important for survivors to tell their story? Not, not unless they're ready. You know, there's an opportunity for you to do a lot of journaling like I did. Like the whole time before I was able to speak about anything, I journaled when I was upset, angry, pissed off, suicidal, when I wanted to give up, when I had good days. Yeah. And I go back over those journals and read that. And it helps you to understand that every day wasn't a bad day, you know. Mm. And if you're not ready to talk about it, don't talk about it. Don't let anybody force you to say something you're uncomfortable with. But when you're ready... Make sure that you connect that pain and make sure it's powerful when you speak it. Because the only time you should speak, mm-hmm. if it's to help somebody else. Right. And I guess seeking out the right people, too. Yeah. I mean, some you can get some bad advice. You can get um, a lot of judgment. Yeah. So talking to the right people, talking to somebody like you. Um, yeah. Checking out Fresh Start Learning. That's a good start, I think. Yeah, Fresh Start Learning where new beginnings happen. Where new beginnings happen. <laughs> With the 2020 vision, seeing things clearly. Yeah. So the the big rollout for the 2020 vision is when? January 1st, 2020. January 1st. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? Mm-hmm. We do have a book coming out, book release coming out called The Exodus. So there'll be some, another way that you can follow me on my journey. Um, and then it's a workbook and journal to go along with it. Uh, the book should be in hand November 1st. We'll be sharing um, when that book release will happen. People can come and get the book signed, but talk about why this book came to pass, because there's always a way out. And that's what Excellent. God gave me, the exodus. Excellent. You wrote a book. God inspired. <laughs> that, you know what? If anybody should write a book, it's you. It's you. So I'm really proud of you. Yeah. You are impacting this community and impacting a lot of people's lives. So kudos to you. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Yeah. Nancy Yarbrough, she is the founder of Fresh Start Learning, a dear friend, and a wom- wonderful woman of God. So thank you again for coming. Now, you've been listening to the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. If you have suggestions, questions, comments, please go to the 411live.org website. Drop it in. Let us know because we would love to hear from you, especially those suggestions, because we plan to do a multitude of these. And we can, you know, glean some topics from what you say. So please jot that down. I say jot that down, but send that to us so we will have that. We are embarking again on a big, big project. And of course, some of the things, you know, the equipment, the people, the producers, different things, um, the organization, the planning, all of that, well, it costs money. 
So we are asking you to consider being a sponsor or a donor. So go to the 411live.org website. You can see how you can do that, how you can help us, how you can help us to expand the conversation and make an impact because that's what we want to do. Thank you for joining us. If you have any more questions, you know where to go. And you can also find us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor. This is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk.